Welcome, good morning. Uh, happy Palm Sunday, everyone. It's, it's good to see you. My name is Matthew. Um, I'm the senior pastor here at Pleasant Street. On behalf of all of us, uh, whether you're visiting us for the first time or you're here every week, welcome. It's good to be together. We are starting this week our journey of Holy Week, and we do that with Palm Sunday. Um, the days are getting longer. There's light coming in through the windows. It's good to be together. I want to highlight for you a couple things that are coming up in the near future for us before we get started, as we do uh, sometimes with our announcements about things going on in the life of our church. The first of which is to highlight that in May, uh, we're going to be running a profession of faith class for middle school and high school students um, who have been baptized, who have grown up in the church and are curious about what it means to make belonging to church your own, uh, to put it very, very simply, uh, in baptism, God embraces us in profession of faith and becoming members, we learn to embrace Him back. And so if you'd like to know more about what that means and what that looks like here at Pleasant Street, I'd invite you to join us, me, for a class on May 1, uh, May 15, and May 22nd. You can find out more information about that and how to reach me in your bulletin. And speaking of bulletin announcements, uh, I think Scott is still trying to field a softball team. Scott, where are you? I saw, yeah. Uh, how are we doing on the roster? Are we... We're in pretty good shape. Okay. Always to take okay. Well, maybe if some others sign up, then I can step out so we actually have a chance of winning <laughs> this year. Anyway, um, but uh, other than that, so those are, those are things that we're looking forward to. Um, and then as we, as we walk it back to, uh, to this later this week, of course, next Sunday is, is Easter Sunday. And uh, we're always trying to find ways to commemorate that together. And we're going to try something a little bit new this year uh, with something, an old Christian practice called flowering of the cross. And so the cross out in the, in the uh, fellowship hall there. Uh, please, if you would, bring a flower with you, either from your garden, if they happen to be blooming already, or you can pick one up in the store. If you don't have one, we'll have some available here. But we're come a few minutes early, we're going to place some of those flowers in the cross. It's, it's a way for us to remember that we take this symbol of death, and through God, it becomes the symbol of life, and it's a great way for us to practice that together. Uh, so that's next Sunday, and then, of course, uh, Monday, Thursday, we'll be remembering Jesus' last meal with his disciples, and they'll be doing that up the hill at Fairlawn. We're all invited, they tell me, so we can go up there and join them. And then on Good Friday, we remember when Jesus dies on the cross, and we'll be doing that together here at 7 p.m. for a service of remembrance and reflection. So please join us for those events if you can. And then walking it back today, uh, remember those in our community who are struggling uh, this time of year, at noon today we'll have a chance to distribute some Easter food cards, and thank you to those of you who have contributed to that. Uh, pray with us that this would be a way for us to bless our community and tangibly express the hope of the gospel to folks who need it. Uh, and that brings us right up until this moment where you walked into this sanctuary or tuned in online. And so friends, as we start our Palm Sunday worship, would you rise in body and spirit, pray with me, and let's say these call to worship words together. Let's pray. Loving Father, as we journey with your Son this week in this week of remembrance of hope, help us to understand you and your love for the world more clearly. Transform us through Jesus Christ, and prepare us for service in your kingdom, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, the Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. It is right that with full hearts, minds, and voices we should praise you, O God. Christ has ransomed us with his blood and made for us the The Lord is our strength and our song. He has become our salvation. Let's give thanks. Let's sing.
Gracious God, having heard your word, we acknowledge Jesus, who is king over all the earth. But we also acknowledge that we have not responded faithfully to our king. Jesus, we need your salvation as much as the crowds who cried Hosanna and leaders who plotted their death. You can be seated. Just Because of our sin, your path in this world was from Jerusalem to the cross and from the cross to the tomb. Jesus, we've mistaken you for a friendly companion, for our personal problem solver. We fail to see you as king of all creation. At the start of this holy week, we remember how faithless we have been. disappointed by your restraint. We are frightened of your suffering. 
Christ came into the world not to condemn the world, but so that through him the world should be saved. In Christ, God has set us free. In Christ, we are forgiven. Therefore, let us be imitators of God as beloved children. Take a few moments to reflect on Jesus' triumphal entry. Peace of Christ be with you. Let's greet our neighbors.
Would all the kids treat kids please come forward? People of God, what is our prayer? to love and serve Jesus. Good morning. Uh, my name is Brett Buma. I'm one of the elders here, and it's uh, my pleasure to lead us in prayer this morning. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have called us together, together to worship you here. Holy Spirit, we ask that you will fill this place with your presence Fill our hearts so that we may be more like Jesus. Almighty and gracious God, we praise your name. You are the God of our salvation. And we think of that even more in this Lenten season. On this Palm Sunday, we remember the triumphant entry of your son into Jerusalem. The people cheered, yet few knew what was about to come. Jesus was entering the city like a sheep being led to the slaughter, like so many lambs that would be brought into the city for Passover. According to your will, he would soon be killed as a sacrifice for our sins. We are grateful for the salvation that you give to us by your grace, not because of anything that we have done. We thank you that we can come to you in prayer. Jesus said, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted unto you. Faithful God, we ask you to bless our church, bless the work of Pastor Matthew as he ministers to our church family, and bless Kate as she leads our children's ministries. Bless Sadie as she manages the administration and finances of our church. We thank you for them and for all the work that they do. And we ask that you will bless the work that Howard and Marlene do each week with Celebrate Recovery. And we pray that you will give a blessing to those whom they minister to. Lord, we thank you for the many volunteers in our church um, and for the members as they seek to bring forth your kingdom in this part of the world. Equip us with what we need to serve. And we ask a blessing for those in our church who are struggling with, with health issues. We thank you that Shirley Wise's surgery went well on Wednesday, and we pray for healing and a swift recovery. God, our healer, be with Kathy B., who went to the hospital on Thursday. We pray that you will heal and strengthen her so that she can return home. And we ask that you will be with Dev V, who will have shoulder surgery later this week, and we pray that that will go well. We ask you will continue to be, bring healing to Rick and Leanne L. And we pray for Audrey B, who has uh, been experiencing pain and she's unable to worship in person with us, and we pray that um, that'll soon be resolved. We ask that you will be with all of those who are struggling with illnesses, or pain, or depression, anxiety, or grief, or loneliness at this time. Lord, bless and strengthen them in body and spirit. Father, we pray that you will be with all of our healthcare workers who have been through so much the last few years. And we ask you will give them strength to care for them, those in their charge. And we thank you for the gifts that you have given to them. Lord, we pray for the leaders of our local communities, our state, and our nation. We pray that they will Seek your will for the decisions that they make and grant them wisdom. Living God, we thank you for your word. Spirit, we pray that you will be upon Pastor Matthew as he brings your word to us this morning. Give us open minds and open hearts to hear what you speak through him. Father, as we enter Holy Week, we pray that our, our minds will be set upon Jesus and the immense love that he has shown to us. Help us to live as his disciples with joy and thanksgiving, loving you and loving our neighbors. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. This morning I have the privilege of reading John 12, 12 through 33. <clears throat> the next day the crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, 
Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for the judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You might not know this, but sometimes things look different from this vantage than the one that you look at the world from. You may also not know this, but when you are learning to be a preacher, you go to different churches and you stand in different pulpits, and sometimes they have things written on the pulpits. They're things that I can see from my vantage, but not necessarily you from yours. One time I was visiting a church, and I climbed up into the pulpit, and in big letters on the pulpit, just where I could see them, it said, in case of medical emergency, dial 911 immediately. You have to wonder... Why was that needed to be spelled out? There's other churches, too, that I've been in. And sometimes they'll put words there which only the preacher can see. A little plaque. that says, Sir or ma'am, we would see Jesus. Those are words taken from the passage we've looked at together today. And I can think of no better words to call us to prayer. So would you pray with me? Jesus, this morning we are surrounded by color and beautiful setting and among family and friends with the joy of children traipsing down the stairs and your praises resounding in this room. We have gathered among many good things. But this morning, the thing that we need and want more than anything else is to see you. And so following those first Greeks who asked an innocent question, wondering if this parade might be for them also, we have come, wondering if in this story there might be good news for us too. And so we ask that by your Spirit you would come now. 
and show us yourself. Amen. Today is Palm Sunday, and Palm Sunday is a celebration. On Palm Sunday, we remember the story of when Jesus rode up from Bethany to Jerusalem. It's a story about celebration and about victory, and it's also a story with death all over it. Today, we hear the crowd shouting, Hosanna, which means something like, Oh, please save us, Lord. But we remember that what just happened right before this is that Jesus had his feet anointed for burial by Mary. And the Pharisees have just finished plotting the death of Lazarus, who just got back out of the grave. And Judas is even now plotting to betray Jesus' master. And in one week, one week, this great crowd that we see today will have scattered in rumor and disappointment and horror at watching this man hang by his hands and feet on a tree. Palm Sunday is a story about victory, but death is in the air. All four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, include this story of Jesus riding up into Jerusalem to the scandal of the religious authorities and the praise of the crowds. And all four gospel writers testify that on Palm Sunday, everyone misunderstands Jesus. We hear it from John today in his story that at the time the disciples did not understand one bit of what was happening on that day, not until later. And still many years later, it is taking disciples some time to really understand what is happening when Jesus rides to victory and death is in the air. Jesus is at the absolute height of his popularity here in John. A great big crowd, perhaps even more than a million people are in Jerusalem right now anticipating Passover. And a great crowd has come out of the city to see Jesus. People lay their cloaks down and they shout their praises and they quote Psalm 118. They are doing for Jesus what you do when a king comes to town. You see, conquerors and liberators in the ancient world, they would enter capital cities and and crowds would come out from the walls of the city to meet them and hail them. This is a kind of victory parade. And like other kinds of parades, this one is layered with important symbols. The gospel writers mention cloaks and branches and the donkey and the hosannas, but it's John and only John who tells us about the palms. Palms are a a kind of symbol for these folks of national liberation. They are, as commentators have noticed, a, a symbol of enthusiastic nationalism. After the Maccabees led a revolution to liberate the temple from Roman occupation before Jesus... As an act of protest, they minted their own coins. They were throwing off the Roman money. They made their own coins. They printed palm fronds on their coins. And so today we see them pull out these symbols of great hope, hope that they will be liberated and restored to a former glory to have the yoke of their oppressors thrown off from them. And John tells us why they've pulled out the palms today. It's because of Lazarus. The word of what Jesus did by raising Lazarus from the dead has arrived at the city before he has, as if it could do anything else. And that news is what led them to hold this parade, a victory parade for a king who has demonstrated that he not only has the power to feed a crowd of 5,000 men with five loaves of bread and two fish, but also has the power to raise the dead. Who would not want to lift up a king whose campaign slogan is, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly? Who would not lift up a king who has demonstrated that he has the power to make it so? Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Indeed, blessed, in fact, is the King of Israel 
they specify. And they are holding palm fronds in their hands, and it is like that palm is charged with all the great expectations of those who think that they have found the king of life, the king who can give abundant food and who will stop all hunger, the king of peace who rides a donkey and not a war horse and who will stop all war, the king who has the power to speak life to the dead itself and perhaps even stop all dying. And friends, we might not be carrying palm fronds in our hands this morning, but maybe we're holding some of those expectations too. Because we bring with us today and every Sunday news of the pathology reports. We bring with us the news of wars and rumors of wars. We bring with us lives that feel strangely empty lacking purpose. We come sometimes with not enough food on the shelves, too. And so we wave palms and we want to skip ahead. We have even more reason to hope and expect from this story than these first disciples did because we know how the story ends. And so we wave palms and we are tempted to skip ahead to this resurrection part of the story. We want to get to the glory. We forget that in John, Palm Sunday is not the glory. Sure, the praises are rich and the victory flags are out and the hoopla and the hope, all of that is there, but this is not the glory. John has been reminding us like the steady beat of a drum throughout his gospel that the hour has not come. It is not the time for glory yet. And Jesus, Palm Sunday might be the height of Jesus' popularity, but it is not the measure of his power. The glory and the revealing of God's real power happens on Good Friday when some Roman soldiers jam a cross in the ground a harrowing and horrible symbol that declares that there is no power but Caesar's. Do not mess with Caesar. And so we are today still as understandably confused as Philip and Andrew were, as those well-meaning innocent Greek speakers were. They have come to see Jesus, perhaps to see Jesus do a sign, to get a glimpse of this man who can speak life to the dead. And instead, they find a man who answers questions they are not asking, who goes on about the benefits of hating your life. And he's speaking in riddles, and he's saying that the real value of life is lost in the holding of it, and the real value of life is found in the gaining of it when you give it up. And apparently, real life is as hard to understand as Jesus is. We do not always know what Jesus means all the time. And we do not always believe him when we do. And Jesus breaks it down simply. He says, unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it does not produce a harvest. And I know the history of our community's roots are more in dairy than in grain, but we understand it well enough. We understand that you do not get rows of golden-tasseled corn without burying seeds in the ground. As preacher Neil Plantinga put it, in God's mighty agriculture, the death of Jesus will feed whole nations with the bread of life, but only because he dies first. And this principle should be cause for victory even more so than the crowds can imagine. For we know how it works in Jesus' life. We know that from the death of this one man on a Roman cross, millions and millions of people have come who have streamed to this man and found life. It is cause for praise. But also, how disturbing. 
because Jesus is not speaking of a pattern of life that applies only to him, but also to us. He is not speaking only of his death in a riddle to the disciples that later they can figure out. He is speaking, too, of ours. Friends, you do not get life and a harvest without some dying and rising. Or as Jesus says, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. Friends, you don't get life without dying first, not for Jesus and not for us. How often we come to Jesus looking for something like a spiritualized life hack, <laughs> baptized mechanisms for greater effectiveness in the world, but we don't expect him to challenge our love of efficiency. How often we come hoping that Jesus will realize our dreams for us after we've exhausted all other options to make it so. We do not imagine that he might question the dream and give us a new one. We would all add humility to our lives, but Jesus says you have to kill the pride first. We would all like to be more joyful and grateful people. Jesus says you have to root out the envy first. Who wouldn't want to see more kindness in our communities and in our own lives? It's good for everyone. But Jesus says, first, I have to bury the cruelty that lives in your heart. We all ache to see old divisions and old wounds healed and people reconciled. And Jesus says, in order to do that, you must let me kill your thirst for revenge. The seed that wants to preserve itself yields nothing. It bears no fruit. But the seed that dies and is hidden in the ground springs forth with immense fruitfulness. So it is with me, Jesus says, and so it is with you when you follow me. On Palm Sunday, everyone shouts victory, for they see in this man the fulfillment of their interests and their hopes. And Jesus tells us privately that to die to our own interests for the good of those who hate us, that is the path to life. I was captivated by a way that Barbara Brown Taylor, the preacher, characterize this, she said it like this, in this passage, thus Jesus introduced us to the shocking power of sacrifice, which can turn something that looks for all the world like loss into something that feels for all the world like gain. Jesus says, unless the seed falls in the ground and dies, you don't get the harvest. We don't get the life of Christ without dying first, which is, of course, what our ancestors have been saying all along for 400 years through the Heidelberg Catechism. What is involved in genuine conversion, they ask? What does it take to be genuinely changed, to be fruitful? to live real Jesus life? Answer, just two things. The dying away of the old self and the rising to life of the new. That's it. In emergency training, you learn that in a crisis, people don't rise to the occasion they default to their training. And so it would seem in our Christian life as well. The moment of harvest will come, and the fruitfulness of responding in grace and humility and with the disciplined ability to see in a loss a real gain doesn't happen by accident. It is something that we are training for each 
and every day by dying and rising. And this is why for centuries wise Christian practice has been for us to be always dying and rising with Jesus. It happened to us at our baptism when with Christ we were baptized into His death and by the Spirit we were dragged back up again to new life. Baptism is a reminder of God putting us where Jesus is. And it happens again every Sunday when we confess our sins and hear again the call of Jesus to come out from the tombs of pride and unbelief and envy and despair where we have been living too long, and like Lazarus to be raised once more in the good news of God's forgiveness and to step forth in life. And in these events, we are taken not just once a year, but over and over again back to Good Friday, which is the place where our pride and cruelty and envy goes to die. And it is also the place where humility and gratitude an open-handed kindness and forgiveness begin to sprout up. And we become the kind of people who can absorb evil without passing it back. In October of 2006, the Amish communities south of us around Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania, demonstrated what it means when harvest time comes and you can absorb evil and not pass it back. After a shooting that took the lives of their daughters in a schoolhouse, they died again with Jesus by absorbing this evil and not passing it back. And the whole world watched in awe and confusion and reverence as the day after burying their daughters, they attended the funeral of the one who had taken their daughters, and they cut the loop of revenge at excruciating cost to themselves. And the world watched as this community reached out, not with a fist, but with an open hand to victims, to each other, and to the family and friends of the perpetrator. And this was no accident. This was no mistake. This was a harvest. A great and beautiful harvest of forgiveness the moment when the hour came, and it was only made possible by the power of the Holy Spirit of God Himself, who had been making the death and resurrection of Jesus a living reality for the people in this community for generations. It was a mark of a people who have been dying and rising with Christ for their whole lives, so that when the hour came, they were ready. Unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. This week we follow Jesus to his death and to ours. And the harvest is coming. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we need your salvation as much as the crowds who cried Hosanna and the leaders who plotted your death. We confess that we still mistake you for a friendly companion or our personal problem solver and thereby fail to see you as king of all creation. Again this week, this year, we notice that we are embarrassed by your poverty. We are disappointed by your restraint. And we are frightened of your suffering. And so we ask, O oh God, that you would take us by the hand of your Spirit and lead us gently and firmly to your cross, the moment of glory, 
and the place in which we learn to truly live. Amen. I love how honest all of the Gospels are about how long it takes disciples to learn Jesus. It's good news for us because when we gather for worship, it isn't only this sermon moment where we are expected to comprehend it all, but it's also as a community in which we are trying to live out and understand what it means to follow this Lord whose way is so different than the ways of this world. We have a chance to do that together as a congregation, both through our sermon discussion, which you're invited to join us to after worship today, and also for our younger folks, our third through fifth grade students, to do that now by reflecting together with some of their leaders on what we're learning and hearing and understanding in church together. So I want to invite our third through fifth graders to come on up because we would like to bless and send you to that. People of God, what is our prayer? Almighty and loving God, thank you for the gift of your word. Help us to believe what we have heard, plant it deep in our hearts, and live in ways that honor you above all. Amen. Friends, go in peace to love and serve Jesus. We continue our response to God not only by singing, but with an act of trust. And we do this by offering up some of what God has given us financially for the work of His church and for the ministries of our church. And we have two offerings today. The first is for our general fund for the work and ministry of our congregation. And the second offering is also for GEMS um, Girls Club as well. Um, we aren't passing baskets, but you can give to the church by dropping off checks during the week in the box that you passed on your way in or by donating online. Having done so together, friends, would you pray with me? Generous God, out of your abundance, you invite us to respond with our own acts of generosity and our own acts of trust. And so we ask, oh God, that as we do this together now in a small way, that you would take the things that we are offering up now, which you have entrusted to us, and that you would use them to grow the ministries of your church, to bless our communities, to bless the world, and to make your name larger and more visible to those who do not know you yet, and to increase our trust that you will provide everything that we need. We pray this in your name. Amen. Friends, would you rise in body or in spirit? Let's sing together. All glory, laud, and honor.
On Palm Sunday, we lift our praises, we give all glory and honor to Jesus, whose measure of kingship is not demonstrated in what he can acquire for us, but what he was willing to give, his own self, his presence, to spare nothing. And having done that, he assures you of his presence with you today and this week and the rest of your life. It comes to you as real as a blessing from God. Would you open your hands and receive it? Friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Let's go singing. You may go out and serve Christ. You may be dismissed.